It's the month of May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month. And this time the focus is on anxiety. So that's really what I wanted to focus on today. Uh, Hopefully if any of you are there, we can uh, unpick, maybe give you some topics and tips or hints and tips even. Uh, for you to be able to take forward. Uh, Welcome to Frazzled, the podcast. My name is Kelly Swingler, your host, and I am the anti-burnout coach, uh, helping you to regain control of your busy lives and create the time, space and energy for the things that matter. I suppose why I'm, why, why anxiety today? Um, Why the, why the focus of anxiety? We'll probably start there. Um, so yeah, mental health awareness months. I think firstly, I, I get really irritated, frustrated, annoyed sometimes by the awareness months, the awareness campaigns that we have. On one hand, they are brilliant because they help us to break the stigma, uh, keep the conversations going, hopefully allow lots of people to get the support that they need, uh, the support that they want. But they can still feel a little bit kind of lip service, can't they? They can they can just feel like this tick box exercise that many organisations still go through. And from that perspective, it can be really great, you know, to fly the flag, to have these campaigns, to have all of this work in place. But actually, then if the working practices... If the culture of the organisation, the practices, the leadership, the day to day things that are that are happening and that are taking place do not allow for psychologically safe, emotionally safe, mentally safe, physically safe workspaces and workplaces for all of our people. Then, of course, that can add to some of the mental health issues that can add to some of the burnout. We know that toxic workplaces are still the number one cause of burnout. And with that is this kind of uh, what I think Softer for Success, an organisation called Softer for Success, have, have kind of coined and termed as this moral injury. And by moral injury, we what we mean by that is that you know, organisations, leaders, people aren't doing what they say on the tin. Right. It's kind of we have all of these values slapped all over all over the walls. We have all of these behaviours, maybe competency frameworks and all of this stuff stuck on walls. And yet we're not seeing it in day to day practice, this immoral, unethical way of working, of treating people, of leading is adding to much more of that burnout. And so, of course, when we have things like awareness months, for anything, whether it's women's history, black history, uh, disability awareness, pride, um, mental health, stress awareness, and many other things that that we that we may be kind of flying the flag for at, at varying different times. If the culture in the workplaces do not allow that, it can lead to more of this moral injury. It can lead to more of the burnout, and it can cause more anxiety and stress along the way. Now, as part of my own journey through burnout and now still living with the impact of a mental health condition, I I now live with bipolar. 
and the impact of physical health conditions that were created as a result of my burnout. My mental health is something that I am is is constantly at, at the forefront of my mind, really. And sometimes I don't always know if it's kind of helpful. Again, if you've if you've followed my journey or, or any of my work for, for a long time, you'll know that after my first burnout in 2013, as I was coming through that, uh, I, I'd made the decision to, to leave corporate. Um, I could have just gone to into another role. It wasn't specifically that I wanted to leave to, to start my own business. But I'd gone back to work after my burnout and I ended up having these two operations in 48 hours in the July of 2013 as a result of the physical challenges, physical health issues that had developed as a result of the stress that my body was under. So I had these operations and I was just, you know, I was just going to go back to work. I was going to do things differently. I was going to make all these changes and I genuinely was committed to making it work. And then I went back to work. I was just like, like, this is not for me. Started to then look for other roles within other organisations. But I didn't really see at that point any role that was really grabbing me. The job descriptions for any other HR director roles all looked the same. The cultures all looked the same. Like There was nothing that was stand out. The job descriptions, the adverts, the conversations that I was having with the recruiters, it could have been any role in any organisation. And I didn't want to be doing the same old, same old because I knew that things needed to change. And I was, you know, just looking, looking for something to kind of grab my attention. And I was actually on a on a training day for my own personal development when I heard myself say for the very, very first time that I was going to start my own business. So I set up this literally like within my first month I had my first clients I was working with incredible clients helping them uh, reshape and redefine all of their people strategies really put people at the forefront of what they were doing I was coaching HR professionals um, I was coaching people outside of HR I started working with you know groups and teams of finance professionals and sales and marketing I helped one uh, incredible uh, woman the first kind of CEO that that I had worked with on my own out, outside of kind of corporate life I'd I'd helped this um I'd helped a director get to the role of CEO that was the whole purpose of her working with me I was loving what I was doing I was you know got awards really quickly got clients really quickly the money was flowing in really quickly like everything just felt awesome had no intention of doing any of this burnout stuff right I just thought it had happened move on, forget about it. And then I got that phone call that really changed the course of my life. And I got the phone call that said that my replacement, the replacement HRD that had followed me in, had sadly died in her sleep, passed away at a leadership residential. And two days after that, I got a phone call that said, you know, we'd kind of withheld the information from you about the the previous HR directors to you being there but actually they'd all become seriously ill as well. Like it, it wasn't just you. And whilst I was in that organisation, and many of you will, will probably recognise this, but actually if people leave 
under a bit of a cloud. It's almost like uh, I kind of liken it to, you know, Voldemort in Harry Potter, right? He who shall not be named. You know, if we leave under a cloud, it's as though our names are never to be spoken again, isn't it? And if if we try to ask questions or, or understand what's going on, we see almost these kind of physical doors, these physical gates close before us. Like, you know, this is a no entry zone, right? We're not, we're not having this conversation. And you're kind of led to believe that actually, you know, they left because of incompetence or they weren't happy with this or, you know, yes, there was an issue, but we're not prepared to talk about it anymore because it's because it's done. And I hadn't realised like how, just how much of that actually I'd seen throughout my HR career. But to be told you know, these these previous HRDs to you had all become seriously ill in this organisation. That's what started my kind of quest for burnout. And I literally consumed all that I could about stress, trying to understand about this thing called burnout, which in 2013, like, hadn't even been uh, been titled, right? Hadn't even really been classed as, as this thing by the World Health Organisation. That didn't happen until 2019, but I began to explore and, and go through all of this stuff and was studying neuroscience and hypnotherapy and psychotherapy, starting to understand like anatomy, physiology, yoga, meditation, the impact of diet, the impact of food, hydration, the impact of alcohol on our brains and how that can stop us talking, the importance of sleep. Like I was consuming this stuff constantly, constantly, constantly and then burned out for the second time. Because I wasn't doing any of the stuff that I'd learned. And then when I came through my second burnout, it was like I I had this fear that I would end up in burnout number three. And so I had almost like a shopping list of things to do on a daily basis like it would literally like I needed like two hours every morning to go through all of this stuff, tick off all of the things. And as long as I was ticking all these things off the list. Then it would be OK, because clearly I wouldn't burn out again. But actually what was happening amongst all of that, with all of these things that I was then trying to do on top of build a business, be a good mum, sort my income, do, you know, marketing coaching, trying to ensure that I'm kind of living with integrity and, and, and doing what I say on the tin. My anxiety began to increase because my anxiety, like I've got to, I've got to get this, I've got to get this, I've got to get this. But I also, as part of that anxiety that was increasing, I recognised that I wasn't trusting myself. It was like, as long as I continued to do all of these things on a daily basis, then I would be okay. And I started to become really anxious about the fact that if I stopped doing these things or I missed one of these things for a day or I didn't have the time to do all of these things, then I would end up burned out again. For a lot of us, this anxiety comes from not trusting ourselves. And it can be very difficult to trust ourselves 
as our stress levels rise. Now, stress and anxiety are different things. But if we don't keep our stress levels under control, then our anxiety can become out of control also. Anxiety almost beats this this panic, this overwhelming panic. And sometimes it's about things that have already happened. We become anxious about, did I say the right thing? Did I do the right thing? How was that meeting? Should I have done it differently? Should I have said this? Should I have All of these racing thoughts of things that have been. And it can also then become all of this anxiety about things that are to come. And whilst we're constantly in the past or the future... We're never being in the now. And for me personally, this is something that I have to literally manage, very, very consciously manage on a daily basis. And I, and I still do. I, don't, I no longer have a shopping list of 10,000 things that I need to do on a daily basis. I do have slow mornings. I do ensure that I have plenty of time to do what I want to do. You know, I want to get out with the dog in the morning. I want to be outside. I'm going to move my body. Now, that might be through yoga. That might just be, on a particular day, getting outside with the dog. It might be jumping on the bike. Might be, yeah, yoga, walking. It might be a cardio workout. And it could be 10 minutes or it could be an hour. But I allow myself, I've created the time to be able to do that with myself. So it's not I must do all of these. Actually, what do I feel like today? I start most days with a nice long bath, with some, you know, aromatherapy oils, some incense and, and some, some music playing in the background. But not every day. That doesn't have to be part of my ritual. Routine absolutely helps me to decrease my anxiety. So trying to wake up at the same time every day, trying to have my meals at the same time every day, going to bed at the same time every day. All of those things is one less thing for me to think about. Breaks in routine can cause my anxiety to increase. I'd love to be able to say to all of you that I have all, you know, I have all of this stuff sorted for myself. And perhaps if I wasn't living with bipolar, things would, I'm sure they would, be much easier for me to manage. I still have at times, if I, if my sleep is interrupted, if my diet is not where it needed to be on a, on any given week. If I find myself pushing too hard, my anxiety increases. I find myself feeling more anxious. And I will then be comparing myself. As as my anxiety increases, I can feel myself, oh, like I need to, I'm going to check my social media, right? I'm constantly kind of searching for, has anybody liked that post? 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 And then what happens is I'm scrolling through more social media. I'm in comparison mode. My stress levels have already increased. I'm already feeling anxious. And then I can see all of this stuff that everybody else is doing around me, 
right? That's what that coach is doing. That's what that coach is doing. That's what that coach is doing. Oh my God, like, why can't I be more like them? Like, why, why aren't I doing this? Why aren't I doing that? And what does that comparison do? It feeds the anxiety even more. Because then I begin to feel like I'm not enough. I can begin to compare myself to the lives of other people that are on social media. And we all know that one post that's been written maybe in, I don't know, let's say five minutes throughout the course of the day. I don't know what's happening to, you know, to that person for the other 23 minutes and 55 minutes of the day, do I? Maybe they too are feeling really anxious. Maybe they're talking about business success and all of these clients, but actually they haven't got any. Maybe the testimonials that they're sharing are not real. And you know what? Maybe they are. Maybe they are doing really brilliantly in their business. Maybe they are doing much better than me in their business. Maybe they've been doing it longer. Maybe they've been doing it shorter. Maybe they have a very different definition to success than I do. But all I know is the more that I get caught up in all of that, it feeds my anxiety even more, which then makes me feel less than I am. Which then feeds into the fact that, you know, I've got issues with my confidence, issues with my self-belief, all, all of those things. And it becomes this cycle. I'd love to not have those feelings of stress to not have those feelings of anxiety. And whilst, you know, over the last 10 years or so, it's become much, much less than it ever was before. I only really need a couple of nights of not great sleep. And that can be the the pit of despair that I find myself in. And that's what anxiety can feel like. It can feel like this pit that we can't get out of. It can feel like this hamster wheel. And we feed it and we fuel it because the more our anxiety increases, the more we seem to do the things that make us more anxious because we think that's where all the answers are. We think the answers are in getting another like on social media. We think the answers are... On Google, we think the answers are all over our social media feeds. We think the answers are in staying up a little bit later because we can deal with all we, all we can do. We think that the answers are throwing ourselves into work. But sometimes also that anxiety can stop us, can't it? It can cause us to freeze. It can cause us to go into that procrastination mode. So much anxiety, so much overwhelm. It can cause us to just freeze completely, not know that there is a way forward. It can send us into anxiety attack. Again, a few weeks ago, you may or may not remember, I don't know if I did a podcast on this actually, but, you know, I'd put a video out a few months back. I'd I'd had some change a few weeks ago. I'd had some changes made to my HRT, which then impacted my sleep. And it was impacting a few other things around me. And I'd, and I'd woken up on a Saturday morning, like with the worst anxiety attack that I've had in a very, very, very long time. And I, it took me a while to get out of it. I needed, you know, I needed to 
breathe. I needed to be present. I got myself out with a dog and everything started to be okay. So a lot of the time, even whilst I'm doing the very best that I can to stay balanced, right, to get my sleep, to eat the right food, to stay hydrated, again, to to tick off these things that we're told will keep us happy, healthy humans. I can't control the external factors and I can't beat myself up about the external factors. You know what? The HRT did that. Okay, fine. Didn't sleep great last night. Okay, fine. I really wish that we could continue to do more to to break this stigma. Anxiety, as with anything, will come, I suppose, at, at different levels, at different times and in different waves. And we can feel anxious about a particular situation without it leading to ongoing or long-term anxiety. And you may be familiar with the fact that that this kind of anxiety that we experience, which is really comes from fear, right? We're fearful of something that has or is about to happen. This fear has the same physiological impact as excitement. The butterflies as they kind of start to to flutter in your belly, the racing heartbeat, maybe the kind of feeling in the palm of your hands, maybe a shift or something that's happening in your shoulders or your jaw. The physiological feeling of anxiety is the same as excitement. And you may have seen memes, GIFs, posts all over social media telling you that. And of course you read it and you think, yeah, right, like in the moment, that's fine. But if we can catch ourselves in that, we recognise that we have a choice. We always have a choice. And the sooner that we can recognise that we have a choice, the sooner that we can stop it, the better. Now, if I'm going into a full-blown anxiety attack or it starts really, really heightened, it just feels like it's come out of nowhere. Of course, the immediate thing that comes up for me is a feeling of panic, right? Oh, my God, like, what's... Everything starts racing. The first, the best, the most helpful thing that we can do in any of those instances is to come back to the breath. If you've seen anyone have an anxiety attack, if you yourself have experienced an anxiety attack and somebody's been helping you through that, it's the breath. People will say to you, just breathe. Because the breath brings us back to the now. So you can make a choice about whether it's fear or excitement. You can make a choice about whether you stay in it or not stay in it. But a lot of the time, as as your anxiety is rising, 
can be very difficult to make those choices, can't it? Because again, the overwhelm, the stress, the anxiety, the everything that's going on for you physically, mentally, emotionally. If you come back to the breath enough, then you can start to make a choice. Then you can start to make a decision. Then you can start to decide how you take that step forward. Then you can begin to focus on, ask yourself, understand whether this is something that you have control over, whether this is something that you are able to influence, or whether this is something that you have absolutely no control over at all. Again, remember these these three circles of control that we've spoken about before. The tiny little circle in the middle is stuff that you have control over. The out, the, the middle circle, the one on the outside of that inner is the stuff that you can influence. And that big circle on the outside with these three concentric circles, the big circle on the outside is stuff that you can't control. And a lot of the time, the majority of the time, it's the stuff that's in that outer circle that's making us more anxious. And we have no control over that. But again, we think we do. And the more anxious that we become, the more we think we've got the control over everything, the more we try to control everything, the more anxious we can feel. The breath is the most powerful thing. Even right now, if you take a breath right now, well, just three breaths. If you breathe, you're here. You're in the now. You can't breathe in the future. You can't breathe in the past. You can only breathe in the now. And so as that anxiety rises for you, as you feel anxious in a moment, let's breathe. Let's come back into our bodies. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we started meetings with a collective breath wouldn't it be amazing if before we fired off that email we could pause and take a breath wouldn't it be amazing before we made that phone call that we could pause and take a breath instead of worrying about what is or what may be we were just in the now anxiety can be really hard it can be debilitating again depending on on the amount that you've got there. But ultimately, the more we can be in the now, the less that anxiety occurs, the less those anxiety attacks happen, the less anxious we begin to feel in the moment. If we feel anxious about something, what can we do about it? Again, is it something that I can control, influence or not control? And again, this takes time. I'd love to, you, you, you hear me talk about this over and over and over again. There is no such thing as one and done. But the more aware you can be, the more present you can be, the quicker you can move yourself out of these situations. And ultimately, that's where we want to get to, okay, right, anxiety's rising. What do I need to do to change it? So be in the now, be in the moment, be in the here. Take that breath. Just be. Hope that's been helpful for today. I'll be back with you again next week for more of Frazzled. 
as always, if you've got questions, comments, if there's a particular topic that you want me to talk about, let me know. Let me know. I'm grateful to all of you for continuing to listen and tune in. And for those of you that are sharing uh, views or views, listens uh, are increasing. Subscribers are increasing. More and more of you are telling me how much you're finding this helpful. So let's continue to keep sharing. Let's continue to be helping ourselves and each other. We can banish burnout, change the world of work when we start having more of these conversations. I'll say bye-bye for now, bye for today even, and I'll be back with you again next Tuesday. Take care. Have a great week, everybody. Bye-bye.